welcome to Bayer Cropcast with your technical field representatives from right around Australia. In this Cropcast, we'll give you a quick wrap-up of the season at hand and things to look out for, including events coming up around you and everything related to agronomy and growing healthy crops. We are passionate about the future of agriculture and crop protection, and we look forward to having you join us on Bayer Cropcast. Hello and welcome to Bayer Cropcast. This is episode 17. I'm Craig White, market development agronomist with Bayer in Australia, over in Western Australia in fact, and I'm joined today by my colleague over here, Matt Willis. How are you today, Matt? G'day, Whitey. Pleasure to be on here. Feeling pretty good. Um, lovely sunny day in Perth today, so uh, yeah, the spring is well and truly here. Yeah, well, look, in some areas, it's uh, it's still quite wet in some, actually, Matt, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Uh, most of July and a big part of August has had some uh, real big challenges with, you know, just not being able to get any spray days, and that's certainly brought about its own set of challenges, and we'll talk about a few of those in a moment. But, yeah, I know uh, both you and I, we've been involved with a lot of uh, s- sort of field walks and field days recently, so perhaps just give us a little couple of um, points on what yours, how they've been going in your area, and um, what are some of the key learnings that have been coming out of those? Well, it's the traditional, uh, as those of you in WA would know, and it's quite a diverse place. And I think the general rule in WA is if in the southern wheat belt it's very, very wet, uh, the conditions are perfect in the northern wheat belt because we usually get just a little bit less rain up there than we do in, than you guys do in the south. So you've been uh, getting very wet. We've been well and truly uh, just perfect conditions, I would say, in terms of uh, growing season so far this year. A, a really nice break courtesy of that cyclone that came through um, back in uh, early May and mm. then uh, things have just ticked along continuously ever since, regular rainfall events, maybe pushing a little bit wet at some times, but the crops in the north are looking absolutely magnificent. And so leading into uh, field day season now, as you said, um, we're just getting into September now and uh, yeah, just the sun's been out for the last couple of weeks and uh, hopefully there's a little bit of rain to come um, just to finish things off. But yeah, it's, it's lovely weather. It's great weather to be in the paddock right now and walking through trials. Um, I think by the time this episode airs, I would have had the Mingini Irwin group Springfield Day and the Northern Agri Group Springfield Day and the Leiby Group Springfield Day over the over the last week or two um, as they all get ticked off and um, got the West Midlands Group 1 not too far away either. Um, but, yeah, it's great being in the paddock right now. Everyone's in a, in a good mood. Obviously, grain prices are high. Yields are expected to be high. Um, it's uh, Everyone's in a very positive mood, positive frame of mind. And, um yeah, it's been good to talk to people about how things have gone this season. There've been there've been challenges, of course. Mice is a big one that people are dealing with right now in crop, and um, disease has been a big issue, particularly in canola um, with uh, blackleg earlier on, and certainly sclerotinia in the last few weeks. Been a lot of discussion around timing of application, uh, risks in certain areas which don't traditionally have sclerotinia. Um, it's been a lot of we'll, we'll probably cover that a little bit later in this uh, conversation, Whitey, but. Um, yeah, and on top of that, your weed control, um, just seeing how the various IBS and EPE products have performed on both grasses and broadleaves has, for the most part, worked very well. So it's um, been a few good learnings there. Yeah, sure has, Matt. And uh, as you say, you know, um, in a general sense, wetter down south and really good up north. I mean, some of the areas, and I was actually recently out in south of the Stirling Ranges and it's been a heck of a challenge to even get back into some of the trial sites um, just with tracks well underwater and um, even though we've had a few dry days in the last couple of weeks, um, 
I was back out there trying to get in and still had to go what we call the long way around to get into this trial because the rest of it's just still underwater. The puddle or the, the lake is a bit smaller. Um, possibly could push through there, but there'd be no point getting swamped halfway through. So we took the cautious approach and, yeah, we're looking forward to it drying out a little bit more so we can get people in to have a look at the um, the trial work we've got in there. Uh, so that's all been really good. And look, lots of learnings coming out of the trials, as you said, not only the small plot work, but also the larger area trials that we've been undertaking and getting plenty of people through those to have a good look. And also you touched there on um, some challenges this year. Well, with hardly a spray day during July and certainly August, um, you know, even if it wasn't raining, there's certainly been been some wind, windy days, which aren't really ideal for spraying. And yes, yeah, so that certainly put some challenges onto the timing of herbicides and fungicides and been a lot of inquiry, a lot. Actually, I don't remember this for uh, quite some years, probably over 20, in fact, of getting so many questions about, you know, where is the the absolute cutoff um, for effectiveness, both in terms of crop safety and efficacy. And also you need to really take into consideration the withholding periods of products as well, which are clearly defined on the labels. So make sure you get advice on those. Has that been similar in your area too, Matt, where you've had to add a lot of queries about those sort of topics, you know, getting the timing right and what's going to happen mm. in a year like this one? Oh, most certainly. And, and because we've had the, the season is running a bit earlier than it has recently, uh, certain disease cycles have been gearing up a little bit earlier and crop stage has been much more advanced than, than, than previously. So guys have, and, and, and with challenges with getting onto the paddock, yeah, yeah. As you said, they're, they're getting to the point where they think, well, this is actually past where we usually spray in terms of crop stage, um, just because the season so far is so, so advanced. Um, what do we do now on the label? It's saying we can only go to X timing and we're already past that. Do we still go? But ultimately, uh, the work is done to determine that, that maximum growth um, application timing uh, for a variety of reasons and um, yeah, I think it's, it's best to adhere to that um, and certainly speak to your local agronomist or consultant about reasons why and, and such but yeah, there's been a lot of talking about and canola, sclerotinia has been probably the most recent one um, with, with canola reaching that, that sort of critical 50% flower much earlier than it usually does um, has meant that yeah, guys are getting out in the paddock in late August. I mean, all the crops actually past fifty peak bloom now. It's past past fifty percent flower, but probably do we do we are we still able to go back there and spray? But the label with Prasara and Aviator both um, for that sclerotinia timing says fifty percent flower is maximum timing, and says so needs to be adhered to. Yeah, really important that point. Uh, getting a lot of queries on that, but of course, you know, speak to your advisor. Uh, or by a representative to get um, the proper information and have a look at your labels and mm. um, make sure, you know, managing. Because there may, there may still be some options um, in some cases to to go a little bit. Some of those label um, points are, are coverage issues as well. I'm talking more now the herbicides. Um, mm. You know, don't go beyond the withholding periods, of course, but it's important that um, sometimes you may still be able to get on top of these weeds, especially on wider row spacings. I just had a query the other day and actually really wide road spacings, the weeds are actually still quite exposed to the to the sunlight, which is obviously why they're growing really well. And yeah, they're very confident they can get a great um, effect from the product there, which is, which is really important as well. So you have mm. to go by the label and um, get the best um, fine tuning advice you can. I think that's really critical. And just look, just on this disease topic, Matt, I think um, right around Australia, um, you know, there's variance in timings and things as far as crop stages go. And 
had one of our colleagues, Richard Jackman, actually over in Queensland, asking me about canola and you know um, the viability of spraying quite late. You know, sort of not beyond the fifty percent, but um, at the right timing. And you know, I just said to him, the things you nearly need to think about in each particular environment is obviously, you know, um, is the crop still nice and green? Obviously, most diseases, a lot of them need that, you know, some sort of green area. But more importantly, the fact that if you're protecting those leaves. Um, if they're nice and green still, then you've got, um, you know, likely to get more benefit in the long run because, um, you know, if there's soil soil moisture, um, they will help to, to contribute towards grain fill and that's what it's all about, getting getting that return. You've obviously got to have that pathogen there um, to mm. be of importance. And then in some cases, we're just at petal drop in some cases and mm. um, you might just want to touch on what that means, yeah. Yeah, and sclerotinia is the big one where you, you, you look at your different risk factors. Is what you're generally ticking off the boxes because that's the same with sclerotinia as most um, uh, fungicides out there. Is it's best to use as a preventative spray, so you don't really need to be, want to be going out the paddock and finding the disease and then making a decision based off that discovery. You want to be looking through all the risk factors in terms of have you had disease in the paddock before in the last. X number of years, say with sclerotinia in the last four or five years, have you had sclerotinia in there? Um, have we had do we have a, the architecture of the crop? Is it thick? Is it is, you've got the architecture which leads to building up that humidity and moisture in the crop canopy, which is conducive to disease? Have you seen apothecia around? Which obviously apothecia, with little little mushrooms, have they been appearing and releasing spores? And then leading then into the period of infection, thinking, well, obviously the spores have been released, they've infected the the, the, the plants, the flowers, um, that, but that's not the big thing you're trying to prevent. You're, what you're trying to do with the fungicide spray, with your Prosaros, with your Aviator Expros, is to protect the leaves from those petals as they drop, those infective petals from dropping onto the leaves and causing those lesions, which then infect the branches and cause your lodging, which then leads to that uh, harvest losses, which is what you're trying to prevent ultimately um, with protection from this disease. So what you're trying to do is make sure you're protecting those green leaves as the petals are falling down onto them. So you're going to think, well, <laughs> um, that's generally why that 50%, that is why part of the reason why that 50% um, maximum uh, application timing is on the label, because from then on, you've got less petals falling, it's not as economical to spray. So really, yeah, protecting those leaves as the petals are falling down onto them, which could then cause lesions, is 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 the, the aim of the game, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, just, <clears throat> sure, it totally is. And good point you touched on there. I was out at Jerramungup, which is down in the southern coastal area towards the south coast in Western Australia. I was there the other day looking through a um, Matino Complete trial with some growers. Um, we'll talk about Matino Complete in a moment, but we touched, uh, well, we extensive discussion on fungicides in cereals and canola and I asked the question you know what is a fungicide why do you apply a fungicide and I didn't know well I thought I I expected what some people might say and the first chap to raise his hand and yell out it's to protect my grain yield was uh, spot on point I think because yes they control a disease but that's not really your primary objective it's like what you've set up so far as far as yield potential Really, you are not growing your potential any further. You're maintaining it. So exactly what you mm. say there. Let's protect what we've got. And I was really, really pleased to hear um, this guy say, "Protecting what I've got there, so I don't lose it and go backwards mm. from all this good potential I've set up thus far." 
Yeah, and there's a big difference between fungicides and herbicides in a way. So the herbicides is trying to take out weeds which are going to compete with your crop and then can then lead to larger yields. But you know, with fungicides, it's about um, protecting them because uh, obviously it's not as an important in the decision-making process to reduce inoculum levels for the following seasons, which you are with herbicides, of course, and preventing seeds from mm. or weeds from setting seed. You're just protecting that crop so that disease which is present doesn't um, infect it and, and cause yield losses through yeah various reasons. Yeah, so yep, <clears throat> that's exactly right. And I often say if you think about uh, setting up your yield potential, a bit like building a ladder up to the highest point you can, that's where you're reaching for. Uh, the idea of the fungicide is to uh, make sure you can get to the top and stay up there and not break any rungs off and, and go backwards, Matt. Mm, exactly. Now, uh, talking on weeds and diseases there, um, let's turn our attention now just briefly to Matino Complete, a really exciting um, development that's coming along and we're expecting registration for that product to be available in 2022, so that's just next year. And uh, now a new website being uh, established and you can find that at www.matinocomplete.com.au and that'll take you there. There's some really good explanations on what this product's aiming to do, but also some really good resources in there, like a really good brochure to show you how the three complementary active ingredients that are in the product work together to really take these grass and broadleaf weeds out. And really importantly, grass and broadleaf, so not one or the other, Mm -hmm. Matt. I think that's what's been so important and so impressive for growers to see. Um, Takes a little bit of getting your head around because it can be incorporated by sowing or used pre-emergent, but also it could be used um, early post-emergence, so when the weeds are just starting to come out of the ground. And uh, Mm. that does take you a little bit, and it's got the advantage of being able to take those furrow escapes out and things like that right across the the sowing architecture. But Matino Complete, which is M-A-T-E-N-O, complete, all one word, .com.au, is what you need to head to and have a look. But how's it been looking in your field walks and field days? What's uh, sort of been the main message coming out, Matt? Oh, it's, um, yeah, it's certainly had some good trials this year. There's been the focus of my trial work and a lot of them have been built or were located near uh, grower groups and, and, and yeah, and, other, and big uh, reseller stores so that growers can come across and see this product and, and then hear myself and uh, other Bayer colleagues talk about it and, and give them the information they need so that when they have their decision-making for the next season, that they're, they're, they're very well schooled up around it um, and as you said it's it's, it's quite a complex com- com- complex product in uh, in what it does how it can be best used and um, I know that in my trial work and in, in, in northern WA with with wild radish is such a big uh, concern that, that that early post-emergent application timing where we're seeing high levels of control not in the grasses but the broadleaves including your, your wild radishes um, is 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 performing the best um, as, as it has been for the last few years. But this is this not something we've just thrown out in the paddock this year. We've been playing with or using to testing, trialing um, this product for many years now, uh, with hundreds and hundreds of trials. Um, and so yeah, we're at the point now where we're showing growers and getting them confidence confident with it. 
Um, and then it was interesting you just talking about the, the website just then. I, I know that there's a video of myself on there, which was recorded last season at Whalebing, Western Australia last year. So you, you get to see me having a quick chat on that. It, uh, it's always, I always find it a little bit unnerving seeing myself in, the, in these uh, videos. But uh, funnily enough, it's two days ago um, prior to me speaking to you right now, I had another video recorded of me at Wongan Hills um, looking at a trial we've got out there where it's got Matino Complete and how it's performing against industry standards, both the IBS and the EPE uh, for ryegrass control and, and, and wild radish and the seeing how it's performing and, and, and lining up with, as I was saying before, just that 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 early post-emergent timing following an effective um, uh, incorporated by sowing products such as trifluralin is providing the most consistent, reliable control at a high level. Um, just seeing that and, and what, what guys, as, as I... When I'm talking to growers, I get in the, the mindset of saying, all right, if you had what we're looking at in this trial, so generally when these, these trials you get a fair bit of ryegrass and some broadleaf weeds, what would you guys be doing in your your, your scenario with if you were walking out in a paddock, you see these weeds here? Well, normally, high weed burden, you'd be going with a product like a trifluralin with a Sakura IBS and then coming back with a, a Jaguar-type product or a Velocity-type product post-emergent to control your broadleaf weeds. And uh, just try and frame to them what we're doing with this this system we're putting in, recommending with Matino Complete. Is you're, you're leaving your trifluralin application incorporated by science before you go through with your your, your cedar, and then coming back at that early post-emergent timing, so one, two, three leaf crop stage seems to be the most reliable, consistent result, uh, results due to having smaller weeds, and then coming back at that point with uh, your Matino Complete, and that Matino Complete is controlling not only the broadleaf weeds, which would otherwise be controlled by your Jaguar or Velocity type spray, uh, but also controlling those ryegrass uh, above and beyond what you get from any incorporated by sowing product because you are, as you said, Whitey, controlling not only those weeds in the inter-row, which you can generally get very good control with from IBS products, but also those weeds on the, in the furrow shoulder, the furrow wall and the furrow itself, which traditionally are quite difficult to control um, with any IBS product just because of being so reliant on, on moisture and solubility of the, of, the, of the chemical to have it move down from where it is in that band and intero down into the furrow. And, and you traditionally don't get very good control there. And so that's why you are seeing that, that step up in control from the Tino at that timing. And, and that's just consistently in all these, in all, all the trials I've been doing, that's what we're seeing, that's what growers are seeing, and that's what they're impressed um, by. So, yeah, hopefully, yeah, we're going to show a few more people over the next few months and, and see it in action next year as it's um, hopefully commercially available. And Matt, it's important to remind everyone listening that an application of registration of Matino Complete herbicide has been made. At the time of release of this podcast, Matino Complete is not a registered product. It's really important that as users of products, you adhere to the registered label and have a good look at that. And similar down south, or same, um, been showing a big focus of my work as well. And, you know, um, capeweed being a really strong one, also wild radish, mm. um, really, really important. And then all of those grasses, so the rye grass and barley grass, for example, um, very, mm. very powerful um, effects on those. And I think in the south, what's been, um, there are some pretty hefty radish areas, wild radish areas, but in the past, um, often been a thought that, oh, look, grass is a big problem for me. Capeweed is as well, to some degree. Um, I have lighter amounts of wild radish. Well, this product is just really well suited to those scenarios where you think, mm. oh, I don't really want to use one of those heftier, um, you know, post-emergence 
uh, radish ones because I don't have enough radish. I mean, I don't agree with it. That's the right thinking, but that's often mm-hmm. what gets said. So why not come in with Matino, Matino Complete and utilise that in that system, as you said, with a really effective pre-emergent product going in, and that could be a, a whole range of different things. There's Abidex Extra as well and, uh, and others, mm-hmm. but uh, come in early post-emergence, take a uh, hit on those grass, as we just talked about, but equally um, have very good effects on the... Um, Cape weed or wild radish, and there's mm-hmm. a couple of other weeds listed there as well. Prickly lettuce and double yeah. G's. And double yeah, G. Yeah, That's it. Um, so, you know, just a, a beautiful fit there. I think the complementary active ingredients, so are the three in this product, and uh, one of those is from a brand new group, and it's its only, only representative within that uh, group 32. And um, maybe one day we'll, we'll do a little separate one just on the change from letters to numbers, but just mm. for now, you know, there are three different modes of action groups in in the product and in Matano Complete and um, one of those being unique and uh, very, very important when they get into the plant together. They do some amazing things and if you want to know more about that, um, then please get in touch with Matt or I or anybody else from Bayer and um, we can walk you through what's actually going on within the plant. So agronomists mm. really like that stuff. Not all growers are that interested in it. They just want controlled weeds. But I've been <laughs> a, results. exactly been amazed <laughs> at how many people do want to know what is actually going on, especially with this mm. new active ingredient. You know, on its own, it wouldn't be uh, effective against these weeds, but in the combination, it's really, really driving mm. home results. And the proof is in the pudding, as they say. And um, you know, it's all part of the weed smart big six, meaning you know, get a good high level of weed control from your herbicides in crop and do all those other great things like good competition, harvest weed seed control, you know, rotation, mm. all those bits and bobs. So, you know, it's not exclusive to any other control form, but it's um, having a really strong place because it's giving such a good, strong level of weed control, Matt. Mm. And one thing I'll just add to that is just what I've seen in the field and what I'm trying to reiterate, reiterate to growers in that uh, when we're using this, EPA in, in, in this particular example, is it's still a product which gives you residual, it gives you residual control yep. from application. So you're not waiting for a full germination of weeds like you would with a, uh, like your traditional, um, like a hoegrass type product or a velocity type product where you're waiting for all your weeds to come up before you spray. This is a product which you can apply as, as early as possible to, um, and when the weeds are as small or have not even germinated yet and that's where we're getting the best level of control so i'm uh, just encouraging girls saying oh you want to go out there next year and you, you pick which paddocks you want to trial or use this um, product in is to get in there really early not even before even the weeds arrive and um you'll control them so it's like moving a residual ibs product into the season so moving that residual tail from when it kicks off an ibs so when you go through with the bar um, traditionally, to moving it in crop and then that tail end further into the back end of the season as well. Yep, well, really good, <clears throat> really good point, and that certainly uh, really gets the interest of a lot of people. And just finally to finish off on that, um, look, wheat and barley will be uh, the crops that can mm-hmm. be utilised in now. With barley at the moment, it's only IBS incorporated by sowing, so the pre-emergent use. Uh, whereas in wheat, it's all um, IBS or early post-emergence use. Um, and there's a couple of different rates. Um, the 750 milliliter per hectare rate for barley, IBS, uh, but in wheat, it's 750 or one litre 
Two or one liter. Yeah, two one liter. Yeah, it's rooted one liter. That's it. So, mm, mm, mm. very good point. So, lots of flexibility, a lot of interest in both of the crops um, and the timing. So, get more information from matinocomplete.com.au. And Matt, um, we've been doing a lot of field walks, field days. Um, one of particular note I'll mention is um, in the first week of October, we're planning a large field day down at Esperance in that Esperance area. And we'll be combining that with an with an ARI um, Australian Herbicide Resistance Initiative, um, really good site they've got as well, um, which looks at how to use herbicides in combination with other non-chemical tactics. And um, yeah, if you're in the Esperance region or thoughts about going down that way and having a look, then get in touch with us. Um, we'll give out our Twitter handles at the end, and yeah, you might be interested in heading on down to Esperance and having a look at that. So it should be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Now, Whitey, uh, every time you and I get together on the Cropcast, we have an exchange of uh, ideas, you generally with an app and me with a, a fun fact of some description. So I think we'll start off with what, what, what app have you got for us today, uh, Whitey? Yeah, well, you say every time, most times. I think I've missed a couple where <laughs> I haven't. But what I've generally done since we started by Cropcast, uh, gee, a while back now, Matt, um, amazing. And thanks to everyone that listens to it uh, and pass that on. But the app this time around is one called Yakka. So Y-A-C-K-E-R, Yakka. So just as you and I are doing here, we're having a good old yak together, a couple of agronomists talking about things. Um, Yakka is a, an app that's been developed by some pretty smart people over in um, New South Wales, actually, these guys. They're crop consultants, um, crop advisors. And I caught up with Heath McWherter, who's one of the founders and developers of this and he can tell us what yakka is all about and then we'll come back matt and hear what your little fact is so here's heath mcwerder uh from yakka giving us an insight into what it can do well everybody knows that i love talking about apps and you know really useful tools that uh, we see around the place uh, on here on bayer cropcast and one such tool i came across became aware of is one called yakka and We'll talk about that. Everyone likes a good yak, I think. And, um, you know, this app called Yakka has been developed by some really great uh, people, crop advisors, agricultural consultants. And to join me and talk about this is Heath McWherter, who's an agricultural consultant with Summit Ag in Griffith, New South Wales. How are you today? Yeah, going well, thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me on here today. No worries. No, it really caught our eye, this um, Yakka app. So you're the developer of it along with some other people. And yeah, let's get straight into it. What on earth is Yakka all about? How can it help crop advisors and farmers and people in the ag industry? Yeah, for sure. So we identified um, a while ago that there's just a fair bit of communication on social media platforms that's um, available to the complete country or the complete globe. And there's plenty of content on there that sort of push people off those platforms. So we wanted to start one that was just for agricultural farmers and consultants um, called Yakka. Yeah, I think that's really important. Look, even as a, I use Twitter a lot and it's great to utilise it. I, I love it. Got a lot of connections, even yourself. You know, I haven't met you in person, but I have met you on Twitter, let's say, and now we're talking about this. And yeah, occasionally people are just not in that agricultural industry that are actually quite against it sometimes um, can get into the dialogue and really ruin a good discussion about um, interesting topics. So hence why Yakka, you think, could be a really good fit here. Yeah, we've really tried to work on having a constructive environment where people in agriculture can communicate with one another via text or via phone. And that's one 
point of difference um, and we've been really trying to push a positive culture with the mediation within it. Yeah, and I think I noticed that too as an advisor myself, agronomist, um, sometimes, you know, uh, you can't really portray everything in those, you know, in Twitter or it would be probably not not sensible or professional to do that. But the fact in your Yakka app, which we'll get on to some of the um, features in a moment, the fact that, you know, we can have, you know, it's not too, in, not too intrusive either, which is what I like. I can choose when I'm available via Yakka to be contacted. But a grower, for example, might see something I've written or an answer to a question or another advisor and then they can actually make make quite um, sensible contact with that person directly. I really like that idea. Yeah, and that's that's what we've worked on. Like a lot of the time as people in agriculture, um, their hands are busy but their mind is free. They're on machines or tractors mm. or in the car. And I often see things pop up on my Twitter feed or Facebook feed, but I think I'd really like to talk to that person rather than just get into a keyboard conversation. Yep. Um, and that's where that online-offline part of the profile works quite well, that you can see a conversation going on on the app or just directly call that person through voice over IP on the app, and that seems to be one of its strengths. Yeah, well, that's becoming more and more important now, this VoIP or voice over internet, you know, Wi-Fi calling if you're on some networks as well is, is fantastic. And, yeah, I really like that idea because the only other way through Twitter is that you say to someone, I'll send you a direct message, uh, you have to wait for that, then they might come back to you with their phone number or they may not, but I love the fact that, with Yakka, we can um, we can choose as the you know as users when we uh, want to be available for that, which is good because everyone's busy and just like you said too, you know, hands free or you know people are engaged with machinery, but you know their their ears are free, I suppose, and their minds are thinking about things. Uh, the reason for this, you know, Bayer Cropcast as well is why I did that because I really understand how important that is as we're driving along, doing other things, we can get information. So. Uh, hey, tell me a bit more about the features of Yakka and what are some of the smarts that you've built into the app? Definitely. So as we've discussed, we've got the online, offline feature. Um, this app's still in development, ever changing, but we've got it worked out. So when the Bluetooth connects in your car or your tractor to your phone, it'll bring you online. And then when you hop out, it goes offline. So that works for Android phones, but we're just trying to work through the Apple iOS system on that. Um, another one is the flag feature. So there's there's people on there online and there's people on the platform offline, but you can push a flag on their profile, which will just send them a little notification saying that, say, Craig White wants to talk to myself, Heath McWhorter, so I'll get that um, and I can then jump back online. Or when you jump online, if you're flagged, it'll then flag the other person that, that wanted to talk to you just to try and get those connections to happen when people are free. And another thing that's really quite good is the search functionality. So you can type in say canola for example for this season it'll bring up any user that has canola in his interest or he's had any discussion point or been involved in a canola discussion so you can communicate with them or even you can type in type in a town so if you type in a town you'll find all the people that are in that postcode you won't know exactly where they live but if they're in that postcode you can see who they are and and what they do so there's some of the key key points to how the app works Oh, that's really interesting. I also notice, um, let's just explore this mediation just a little bit more. What's the idea of that? You know, what if someone got on there and just dropped a whole heap of advertising material on there? You know, what happens? Yeah, so it's the, the platform's monitored by people within our business um, and by the software developers. But I think one of the strengths is that if there's some content on there that is abusive or no one likes um, they can be called out directly by other users. So rather than an argument starting in a in a mm. thread, 
um, you can just hit call and call that port person and talk through it. And the other thing is if if there's people making multiple calls in a day in terms of advertising, that pops up as an email alert back through to us so then we can talk to them and if they're using it for business pur- purposes, um, we can mediate them off them because ultimately the app is free to all the users so it's at no cost um, and it's supported by agribusiness, by um, the main agribusinesses in Australia such as Bayer and Elders, Adama, John Deere. So there's a lot of the big businesses that are supporting this for the industry so it's starting to work really well. Uh, it's really good and, yeah, absolutely excellent. As a advisor myself, I really need that that um, ability to communicate with people just as we do face-to-face and in the paddock, but sometimes, you know, it's becoming more and more difficult at times for different reasons mm. and, you know, also, um, yeah, there are discussions that just need to be had um, about different things on a technical front or even just an idea. So, you know, who is using it now, Heath? Well, um, what's the yeah, user demographics? So- so looking at our cohort analysis of the people who are using it, so we're finding that 30% of the people on the platform are farmers, about 10% are researchers, um, 30% are advisors, and these guys are in livestock, horticulture, cropping, so across all segments. Um, there's about 20% there from agribusiness, and then there's around 10% there from, which we haven't really got a category from. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty good cross-section across the industry, and we've now got people in every state of Australia and we've also opened it up to New Zealand so it's only available in Australia and New Zealand mm-hmm. um, um, but yeah you know, it's only get some good traction. I think on that point too it's really great to keep it that way I mean open it up to mm-hmm. the globe and you might get some interesting people come in but you know with the various people engaged on it like I know myself if there was a topic to come up someone wanted to know more about then I could certainly reach into our global expertise and then be the person in Australia to bring that back to a grower that's got that inquiry inquiry so it's all going to work really well for sure and when you like if you post a discussion point or a question you can post that to the whole Yakka audience or you could just post it to a state or to a regional area um, if you want to narrow in the people that see that content so that's another probably key strength to what the app can do in the background yeah, well, Heath, it sounds really great to me and well done for setting this initiative up and um, let's see it grow and grow. So, yeah, I'll be definitely, well, I am signed into it and um, we'll start to engage a lot more and we'll have a talk to our um, you know, biotechnical team about getting more involved with it as well. But, yeah, is there anything else you want to mention about it before we close off? Um, no, that's probably it. Just, um, yeah, if guys are happy to download, it's free free to download. Um, it's from the Apple um, Store and the Google Play Store and put a discussion point on there and get involved. That'd be great. Excellent. And I'll put a um, link or at least the name in there, but just spell Yakka for us um, so people can find um, it. So Yakka is Y-A-C-K-E-R, and it's a um, green and white icon of the letter Y in the app stores. Yep, very obvious. I only answer that because I grew up in South Australia, Heath, and there's a little town called Yakka, which is different to that spelling. So just in case people think of it a different way or – some spin on it, yep. so Y-A-C-K-E-R. E-R. All right, yep, perfect. excellent. Thanks, Craig. Very good. All right, thanks, Heath. Really good. We'll uh, we'll look forward to having a yak on Yakka. Sounds good. Cheers, Craig. Bye. So that was Heath McWhirter and uh, talking about Yakka. That was really interesting. What did, what did you think of that, Matt? Sounds interesting, Matt. I'll have to make sure to, to give it a go. See um, if I'm going to I'll have to play around with it myself, I think. It sounds uh, interesting. Yep, uh, very, very good. Now, what about your uh, fun fact or little uh, good little insight for us? What have you got for us today? It is spring. Right, so uh, my, my fun facts always uh, have a tenuous link to agriculture, and it's probably more tenuous than the other ones. But 
given where we are in the time of year and given how wet and, and, and fantastic the weather's been, it's a particularly good season for this. It's the, the WA wildflower season. So, ah, yes. So th- those of you in the West will be very familiar with it because right now it's, there's a lot of uh, caravans and grey nomads and tourists, all of them locals, uh, unfortunately, this year, given uh, <laughs> the international uh, limitations we have. But uh, there are a lot of people everywhere right now looking at these wildflowers because it is a fantastic year seeing they're just starting to come into bloom and throughout the the midwest and and uh wa wheat belt right now and it's 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 really good viewing so, so i've got a question for you here Wadi. so <laughs> <laughs> so southwest australia is considered a biodiversity hotspot globally so there's only 34 of them across the, the world which are called biodiversity hotspots and to qualify as a biodiversity hotspot you have to have a, a certain number of uh, plant species present whereas more than half of them are um, only unique to that area so how many wildflower species do you think are in southwest australia oh about wildflowers although i'm thinking something in terms of different species that make this up could be 12 to 1500 or something like that Oh, you're out by a degree of uh, 10 there, What? Right? It's 12,000 wildflowers. 12,000, right. Wow, there you yes, go. In, in southwest Australia. So that's, that's covering, of course, the not just the wheat belt, but also uh, the, the southwest forests and everything. But, yeah, there's some, over 12,000 and 60% wow. of those are not found anywhere else. So it's quite a, a unique little area. And, um, yeah, people are out and about right now. So you've got in the Midwest with Moore and Mullawa. Um, Wuban, Minginu, and you've got all the orchids, the spider orchids, cowslip, fairy, donkey orchids, grevilleas. You've got the famous everlasting, carpets of everlastings, and those uh, reef flowers, are very fa- they're famous. They're up at Pindar, which mm. is just um, east of Malawa. So they're out in full, well, not quite full bloom yet. They're just building up to it. It's, it's looking fantastic. And then you've got the wheat belt, recorder and wild catcher, out to Westonia and Meriden. Um, got your, your, your hakeas and wattles and foxgloves. Um, it's 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 going to be a good year. I know that I've spent uh, many a time just having lunch, at, say Minganew, and grab something from the bakery, and then gone down to the the Colseam uh, um, mm-hmm. National Park and sat down and ate my ate my lunch and had a look at all the flowers. And um, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's it's quite beautiful looking out there, and this is such a diverse and interesting area. That you can just you don't even have to go into a, a reserve. You can you look on roadside curbs, bush trails, rocky outcrops. And even in, in some paddocks, I wouldn't advise traipsing through paddocks, but you can certainly look over the fence and see what you can see. And just make sure you don't I've, – I've caught a tourist or two over the year out and they've pulled over the side of the road and they've got the camera out and taken a few snaps of what I believe is a, a beautiful-looking wildflower <laughs> and it's, in fact it's a patch of wild radish. So, um, yep. yeah, just, just, just be careful. You know what you're looking at anyway. <laughs> no, I like it, Matt, and I think um, yeah, in the south as well, it's sort of more spread out and not perhaps doesn't – you can get areas that are really – Great in bloom, but uh, it usually is a bit more of a longer, um, not as contracted as up north. Um, mm. And it's you know that's really coming into its own from from late August right through to October, even into November down here this year because of mm. the um, the wet and whatever. But that's a really good point you make. Just be careful on the roads as we get around because people do pull up in some amazing spots at times and trying to get their picture or whatever of the wild radish patch or the whole canola paddock <laughs> and uh yeah with you but you know as you said to really whatever you're out and about doing don't don't forget to take just a few minutes out of your day if you see something nice to uh, as i'd say smell the flowers but in this case look at them because it really is i think it's really good for the soul and for the mind so 
um, absolutely really important. And I know on trials tours in the past years, we always make sure we find a, a nice spot and make sure we spend a little bit of time um, in that mat. So really, really important and uh, great little tip and, um, and fact you've got there for us today. Yes. Now, just uh, we'll wrap it up there, I think, for episode 17 of Bayer Cropcast. It's been great to have you on here, Matt. Just one final thing to do is give out our Twitter handles. So, Matt, yours is? Mine is at Matt Willis Ag. At Matt Willis Ag. And mine is at Photo by CW. P-H-O-T-O by CW. Photo by CW. And uh, you can get in touch with Matt or I that way, or indeed head to our website, prop.bayer.com.au. Look up all those different products that we have talked about, including Matino Complete, which has its own dedicated website, but you will find it if you go into the Bayer uh, website I just gave out, crop.bayer.com.au. Well, there you go, Matt. Episode 17, done and dusted. I hope people enjoy that one. Don't forget to get in touch with us. Give us any ideas for future episodes. And, Matt, thanks very much, and uh, take care while you're out and about doing the field walks. No worries, Whitey. Always a pleasure to be on here. I'll see you. I look forward to the next time. See you, mate. See ya. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Bayer Cropcast. To get more information about anything you heard on today's episode, phone 1-800-804-479 to get in touch with us or visit the web at crop.bayer.com.au. Thanks for listening.